everybody. Welcome back to Kita's Black Alliance. My name is Kita. Um, this is my Black Unofficial Star Wars podcast or Unofficial Black Star Wars podcast. <laughs> so this here is to have a safe space for all people of color and just to come and nerd out on Star Wars as well as highlighting people of color that are in Star Wars. And speaking of that, for this podcast, we are going to be looking at black men in Star Wars on and off screen. Yay! So that would be fun. Now, hope everybody had a good week. Sorry, my hair is not done. Unfortunately, I think I need to stop <laughs> um, using my hair, if that makes sense to some people. Probably not. So in other words, I can't do any more of the crochet, individual crochets. I mean, I think I can do the individual, but I think I'm just going to stop. And from now on, I'm just going to be doing wigs. And so I'll be doing some crochet wigs, regular wigs. Yeah, um, my scalp has suffered tremendously. So I, it, it was, it was inflamed badly. So um, I had to take a week, more than a week to kind of like let it soothe out and relax. So I did wash my hair. And so now next is going to be. The next step is going to use the aloe vera. I have the aloe vera leaf. So I'm going to be using that. <clears throat> Soothe my scalp and get it back to normal. And I do have um, hair that I just bought. It just came. So I'm happy for that. I'm actually going to be doing passion twists. I've never, never had passion twists. So that should be fun. And I'm actually going to do it as a crochet wig. So. If you just happen to see me <laughs> with a mannequin head with the crochet mesh cap on it, and I'm just sitting there just doing it, doing a wig, uh, well, that's what I'll be doing. Because <laughs> I need to do it when I'm not around my daughter, because she'll just get into the hair and everything. So, hey, girl got to do what a girl's got to do. But I do have my other wig, my curly wig. I just can't wear anything at the moment. My my scalp got to go back to normal. So from here on out, nothing is going to touch my head except for wigs. I'm just going to have to deal. And, and sometimes I'll probably just wear, you know, this, my hat, my knitted hat, or my scarf, or my bonnet that I usually wear sometimes. So yeah. So coming off of Andor, I was so pleasantly surprised with the show. I'm so happy that we were able to get 12 episodes. The episodes were long. Stopped the 30 minute, you know, for each episode. So that was great. And then I was like, well, I got to figure out something to do for the rest of the year. And so then it made me think of, oh, yeah, I still have this part that I want to do. So I'm really, 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 really excited to do this in particular because I've been wanting to get into what this podcast is about. So even though I talk about representation and everything, but, you know, it's time to get deeper. Got to get deeper. And, you know, we got to give some recognition where recognition is due. Right? All right. So, <clears throat> not only will I be doing the Black Star Wars, um, Black men in Star Wars, the next one I'll be doing Black women. The next one I'll be doing Latin men and women. Um, and then Indians. So, Indian men and women. And then once I gather all of that, then, hey, things are going to be rolling. So, I'm really excited about it. So I hope you stay tuned for this. 
Enjoy the rest of the episode. Get some popcorn and everything. Hey, you know, just chill out. <laughs> so, okay. First part. <clears throat> Clearly, we know that Star Wars started in the late 70s. Uh, like 1977 was when the uh, um, episode four came out. So... Clearly, at that time, it was a different time. So you're not going to get that many black people. Not even off screen. And I do believe that George Lucas have wanted it to not be that way, where it's mainly a lot of white people. Because the galaxy is so big, you know, so you're going to have diversity. And especially with the different species that are on, that are in Star Wars. So, first part, of course, we have to start off. James Earl Jones. So, he's the voice of Darth Vader. And I read a little bit on how he got the role to play the voice. And so apparently George was looking for Orson Welles, but Orson Welles um, wasn't available. And then because apparently that's the voice that he heard when he was writing about Vader. And um, and then next thing you know, James Earl Jones stepped in and it's like, well, you sound a lot better than I thought. And then voila, he became Darth Vader. So this is actually pretty good because for James Earl Jones, we know he's like, he's one of the best actors. Literally, this man is in his 90s. He has been, he's like a very well-known in the black community. Um, he is a theater star. He not only does voices, he does movies. He was in Coming to America. Um, and, but for some reason, Darth Vader has been his main role that a lot of people know him by. Now, he, and this is the reason, because there has been nobody, nobody at all that has played or voice, I should say, uh, voice Darth Vader. Even when Hayden Christensen came back to do the Obi-Wan, just the part where his, spoiler, part where his mask cut off, um, that, was, that was Hayden's voice, but I think they mixed it and modulated, obviously, for that. But other than that, is it was James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones' voice has not gone anywhere in Star Wars. Um, but now he apparently they are using a uh, voice technology, so he doesn't have to do the voice anymore. They just taking his voice and keeping it, so that way he will his voice will always live on as Darth Vader. See how good that is. So his legacy will always go on um and that's a great thing because he's in his 90s i doubt if he wants to sit there and voice maybe he signed signed something that you know made this possible so that way he doesn't have to keep doing it um because like we just saw him do coming to america too and he was acting in that um but i guess he's like nah that's okay Y'all could just use me and I just get the bucks. Now, the funny thing is, when he first did the voice um, for episode, episode, was it four or five? I feel like we didn't see him until five. I haven't watched those movies in, actually, in a couple of months. Yeah. And I didn't remember. But um, I do know it was said that he did not want to get paid for the first movie because he felt like, or get the credit, 
because he felt like it was just the voice. You know what I mean? So he didn't think it would become anything more of it. But then when it came down to the sec- to the next movie, he said, okay, I'll get paid for it. And then he got the credit. So then from here on out, he's been getting paid and getting a credit that he deserves for being a voice. Kudos to you, James Earl Jones. And we should be giving him his flowers while he's alive. So, and I'm pretty sure the Star Wars fans has always been giving him his flowers. Um, But yeah, so that's it. That's the first one. So the second one. You already know. Come on. Billy D. Williams. Yes. Lando. Calrissian. That's right. So Lando. <clears throat> it wasn't really too much um talk about. I was searching. But it really wasn't too much um info. Other than the fact that they. That he went ahead and did the movie. um, And everybody loved him. We all know that Billy D. Williams is, you know, like he's a womanizer, you know, bachelor. And it shows. And I think that's one of the reasons why he was so captivating as Lando, because it's almost like as if he's playing a character within a character. Like life imitates art, art imitates life. Um, but yeah, so he became Lando. Um, and I do believe. Yes, he was in the sequel trilogy. And also, if you haven't read Shadow of the Sith, he's in that, in the book. But it's a good precursor to The Force Awakens. And I thought that was beautiful. So, yeah, I love Lando. I love everything. He was great. When I first saw him, saw him on screen. In uh, Star Wars, I was like, oh, wow, this is, why does it feel like it's it's just Billy D. Williams being Billy D. Williams? But he did capture everything of what Lando is supposed to be. Um, so then, if that wasn't great, who knew <laughs> that with Han Solo or Solo the movie, that we will get another Lando? Right. And then so with the Lando, we have to get a young Lando Calrissian. And who did we get? Dun, dun, dun. Donald Glover. Of course we get him. <laughs> Just about as flamboyant as anybody. Oh my God. He played that role so good and captured all the elements of what Lando is supposed to be. Um, and to me, also what Billy D. Williams would do, you know, you catch him in a game of Sabak, so you know, because Sabak is his game, and you know, then you see the whole Millennium Falcon and Han, you know, and then Chewie and all of that tidbit. The solo movie was is good. It's not great, but it's good. I do like it, but yes. Having Donald Glover was a great addition to the movie. And I think he was really the standout in the movie. And with that being said, I know that when Disney went ahead and did their Investors Day and they announced, you know, the shows that they were coming out with and obviously they were taking a break from doing movies. Lando was one of them. But we haven't heard anything, not even from Donald Glover. And I do believe at that time, Donald was supposed to be doing Deadpool, the animated series. And that didn't follow through. Then everybody was trying to figure out, all right, so when is Atlanta coming out? Because you still got to do that. And then... What's going to happen with Lando? And he's like, well, it's really it's just how I feel at the time. You see? Because, see, to me, Donald Glover is that free-spirited person and, and an artist, an artiste, if you want to get 
technical. So if he doesn't feel it right there, he's not going to do it. So I don't think we're going to see Lando anytime soon, the show. Um, and if you do, it's probably going to be his team and mix in with, you know, whoever is going to be, you know, working with Lucasfilm. But hopefully they do. Hopefully they do. Because Atlanta is done now, you know. And Solo was a couple of years ago. Um, so since then, Deadpool has been scrapped. Atlanta final season has finally finished. And then now we still have Lando on the book. So I don't know. And unless he's planning on, which I doubt, planning on being in Spider-Man. Yes, I do follow Marvel. Yes, I do know that he was playing the uncle of Miles Morales. They really do need to do a live action. But, um, you know, if he's got some other things cooking, going on, you know, we'll see. But hopefully he does do it. You know, just do a one, um, like a limited series. Call it a day. That's it. That's it. Real quick. Even if he, even if he was to do a short, you know, like how they did the I Am Group short, if he could do that, that'd be awesome. Uh, you know, he ain't got to do much. Just do some shorts with him just gambling and stuff. It'll be fine. Him trying to talk to a woman. You know, or a species, <laughs> a female species, whatever, you know, just anything. So, um, the next one that we have to talk about, I wanted to do a picture, a different picture, but, you know, I'm going to give him his space. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's what he has went through. I don't mean to laugh. It's just what he's went through. I figured, let me just not do the picture. So I got a different picture. So we got John Boyega. And he played Finn in the sequel trilogy. So, yeah, because I had wanted to do the, like, a still shot from one of the movies. But because of what he went through, I don't want to put that on him. Take a break. You deserve it, sir. You really do. Um, so yeah, he played Finn in the um sequel trilogy. He was great. The first, which is The Force Awakens, was so good with him in it. Then we just drop the ball. In the last two movies, his story was terrible. I don't know what in the world they were trying to do. They just did not have any clue. Not only did they not have any clue, I just felt like they were just there just to check a box off to say, hey, we got a black guy. That's how I felt. But nevertheless, he is still a part of the Star Wars. It was still great to have him. We still rally behind him regardless. I think everybody who is fans of him, um, or just fans of the movie. You know, you do have some where they just didn't, they're not paying attention to it. You know, they just like, oh, it's Finn. You know, it's great. It's cool. Cool to see him. But, you know, as adults, you it's kind of evident that his story was terrible. Like, it just fell through the cracks. And it's a shame. <clears throat> Because y'all did so well with Lando on both both parts, really. And then when it comes to a whole new character, you know, a whole new black character, it's like, okay, what did we do? Did we take 20 steps back? So weird. So, yeah. But other than that, I'm happy that he's a part of the Star Wars franchise. I wish it would have been better for him. I wish the it, he didn't have to deal with all the things that he had to deal with. Um, and it's his story to tell. So, you know, even if it's years later, honey, that's up to him. Let's not dismiss what he 
has went through. Just because he didn't say specifically doesn't mean that he didn't go through something there. So it's it's up to him. If he doesn't want to come back, he's not obligated to. He's not obligated to anybody. It's his feelings. So, and, you know, I'm going to compare it to, even, even though this is all about Blacks, you know, Black people in Star Wars, I just want to say, like, with the way Hayden Christensen, how that happened, you know, he didn't have to come back. But when he said it was the way Deborah Child presented this to him, and then he felt it and felt something there, and then was like, okay, I can come back. And then when you see him on stage at Star Wars Celebration and he is receiving the warm welcome of all the fans in the generation that has grew up with him, that was emotional for him because you have to understand what it was that he had went through. He went through something that was pretty, I mean, in his eyes, it could have been traumatic. You know, um, but nevertheless, he did go through something. And, you know, now, years later, he came back, everything is fine. So will that be the same for John Boyega? Maybe, maybe not. But only time can time will tell to see, you know, if he's okay, you know, with coming back and doing anything. So, yeah. But other than that, I'm happy that he's there. We should give him his flowers. He did an awesome job with the work that he was presented, did the best he could, and we still love and enjoy him. Roses go out to him. So the next one I wanted to talk about is my favorite character. I love him. Black Chrysanthemum, a.k.a. BK. So amazing. I was so, I was like, oh my God, they're doing it. They're doing it. And when he came out looking like a badass, I was like, yeah, yeah. That was so amazing. And the crazy part was, is that, because I do believe that Book of Boba Fett started in December, like late December. So months prior, I was reading Dr. Afra for the first time. And that's how I got introduced to Black Chrysanthemum. Obviously for everybody, you, you get introduced to Black Chrysanthemum. And I was like, oh my God, like this is awesome. Like he could take out a whole Imperial army all by himself in a whole jungle somewhere. And next thing you know, just to see him on screen, I was like, yes, I can't believe he's on here. So it was it was definitely a treat just to have him. Now, the person who played him is this guy, Carrie. And believe it or not, which I didn't know is that he was in Predator. He was the Predator. I was like, oh, shoot. So he played he played um, Black Chrysanthemum, and he did such an amaz- amazing job. Kudos for him. Everything was stellar about it. Um, just the, the, the face, the body language, everything. I just, it fell off for me. Towards the end, um, just a little bit, but other than that, he is still great, still a badass. Um, so I was pleasantly surprised that it was that it was this guy because I was like, oh yeah, he did play um Predator, which is absolutely awesome. So, Carrie, we do have to give you your flowers, sir, as always. Um, then, who is the next one? We have this guy. (laughs) 
Yay. So everybody will probably, well, now I think people call him <laughs> Grief Carger, which is his character name in The Mandalorian. Or you can call him Adonis Creed, you know. Or just call him by his real name, honey. <laughs> um, but yeah, other than that, I'm just sorry, got a little distracted there. Um, other than that, yes, grief, grief cargo. Let me, because there is something in particular. that I with Carl Weathers. There was something that I read um, that I read in here. I just wanted to make sure that it is actually true. Yes. Um, so not only did he play Grief Karga, but he also directed an episode in season two. Um, particularly this the episode of where him and um Gina Carano, her character, they and the Mandalorian, when Mando comes to see Grief Cargo and see what has happened to the town and everything, and then you see um Grogu trying to well not trying to, but steal the macaroons from the kid. That episode. That's great, uh, Carl Weathers' directorial debut in Star Wars. He does have more that he's going to direct for the upcoming season, so I cannot wait for that. And I really thought that, I think it's called The Siege. Um, that particular episode, I really did enjoy. I really did. Like, everything about it was just, it was authentic, raw. Um, even the action sequence felt, you know, like really practical, but genuine, like this is really happening type of situation. Um, he definitely has an eye. Um, and I'm hoping that when I do get to another episode of him that we will see like his stamp on it. You know what I mean? Like someone that actually like puts a signature where you know it's a Carl Weathers episode. Um, but yeah, so Grief Cargo, he's such an amazing character. I think he was really supposed to be like a one-off, but he ended up becoming a fan favorite in The Mandalorian. Um, and yeah, I mean, at I think he's like 75 now, because I do believe he was like 72 at the time when The Mandalorian came out. So yeah. I think it's awesome. He needs to have his flowers too. Needs to have his flowers. So, yeah. On to the next one. Let's get to the next one. All right. Ready? Boom. David Oyelowo. So, this is very interesting. The reason why I say that, because he pl- he voiced Agent Callus, and Agent Callus is in the animated show Rebels. Agent Callus is a white guy, clearly, as you can see, <laughs> see it on there. Now, Agent Callus is he works for the Empire, and so he was there to try and take down the whole Rebel. Of um, Zed and um, Ezra, you know, the whole team. Hera, Kanan, and Sabine. So, and Chopper. Can't forget Chopper. So, he's been, he was trying, you know, to take them out. Thrawn had came in, stepped in, you know, to take over. And then... Next thing you know, we have an episode. Forgot which season it was. But this here happened where Agent Callus and, and Zev, they both get stranded. And this was the turning point. 
spoilers. This was the turning point of where Agent Callis had decided to help the rebels. This that particular episode was the deciding factor of how he was going down a different path. So he became a double agent. And I was like, oh, yeah. So his storyline was really good. That's all I'm going to say. Um, he voiced it really well. I love David Oyelowo. I really do. He's a really underrated actor, actually. Obviously, everybody knows should know that he played Selma um, as uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Um, but other than that, like he's a stellar actor. He's like another distinguished gentleman if you might say. But other than that, yeah, he has voiced Agent Callis. And every time when Agent Callis is on screen, it's so funny. Um, especially anywhere after that he starts helping the rebels. So, and then there are like some scenes with him and Ezra, some scenes. I think, there was, I think that was it. Because if he needed to send a message I said to Zeb, Jeb then yeah he would like tell one of them to send a message to him and stuff like that that's something that only he would know during that particular episode because that was like them two trying to survive out of the um on the planet until help arrived so yep so David Oyelowo voice actor now for Agent Callis in Star Wars. And our next one is another animated turn live action. Yay! Forrest Whitaker as Saul Guerrero. And the reason why there's there's two, it's the same character, it's just in different time periods. So there's like a younger Saw and a um older Saw. And he was in the Clone Wars, the Bad Batch. Um, I'm trying to remember. Was he in? No, I don't think he was ever in um, Rebels. Mm-mm. But yeah, the Clone Wars, the Bad Batch. So those were great. And then all of a sudden we see him in live action for Rogue One. And then we see him in live action again in um andor so Forrest Whitaker is another great talented actor love 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 him every movie he's been in I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed um The Last King of Scotland um oh man there's so many but I remember that one because he did win an Oscar for that yeah and um, it was so great. I didn't realize that he would be a live action until I saw the Rogue One. But it's great to know that he is a part of Star Wars. And it's great to see like him on screen of Star Wars. So, yep, got that one. And the next one. Hey. We got a director. So this here is Rick Famuya. I hope I said his name right. A Nigerian director. And he directed Dope. Um, and Dope was really, really, really good. If you haven't watched it, you should. It's so good. And um, we actually see him not only direct an episode, but Look at that. He was also also a um, pilot. And that was so amazing. I'm so happy for him because he's the first director, first black director to direct Star Wars. Isn't that crazy? It's like, okay. Why is it taking us this long? I've been trying to figure out. We really got to stop. Like, really got to stop. It shouldn't take us that long. 
like we're in 2022 and we're already doing the first black director. (sighs) I don't know. And so he directed uh, one of the episodes. I think it was the part of like the prison break episode. So that one was good. Then he played the Thai pilot in the next one. I think, wait, is it a Thai? Do y'all call him a Thai pilot? Or he works with the Empire? No, mm, I guess. No, I don't know. What do you call him? All I know is that he works. It's not like he's a rebel pilot. No, but he was one of the pilots that was trying to... um, I can't believe I'm sitting here trying to figure that out. Um, That was trying to pull Mando in, and then they decided to let him go. But I think also, too, didn't they try to shoot him down? I think they did try to shoot him down. I really do think so. But then they let it go. Um, He is such an awesome director. I cannot wait. There was an article. Um, in the beginning of the year, I want to say, not in the beginning of the year, more like, I think it was around like March or April that Star Wars did, and they did a whole interview with him. It was so good. So, so good. The fact that he's just a Nigerian director, and he's directed a Star Wars episode, and he's a huge fan of Star Wars. You see what I mean? So now he's like broken a barrier within Star Wars. But we're in 2022 doing that. Yes, we got to start somewhere, right? So I'm happy that he is he is a part of Star Wars. I do. I can't wait to see what other episodes that he is going to do. Um, he didn't direct any episodes in the second season. I think he was busy doing other things. Um, but yeah, I do believe he said that he is going to direct another one in uh, season three. So let's be on the lookout for that. Give him his flowers. All right, next one. We got this guy. Yay. Which is O'Shea Jackson Jr. And his father is Ice Cube. O'Shea Jackson Sr. So yeah, he went ahead and um, played Rook, I think that's his name, in Obi-Wan series. So he's the one that was, like, he helping all the um, the Force-sensitive people, kids, women, children, men, uh, try to find safe haven so that way they are not killed. And he was a good addition. Um... I do believe he was a little underutilized in that in that show, but I do believe that we will see him again, maybe in another show. I don't know. Or maybe if they do plan on doing excuse me, doing another season of Obi-Wan, like a season 2, then yeah, I could see him coming back, but I wouldn't be surprised if if we do see him in another show, you know, helping helping out and everything with the uh, rebels and whatnot. So that that would be really cool. But his storyline was that his wife was taken because uh, she was force sensitive. And um, now I don't know if they killed her because I think that was what everybody was trying to figure out um, due to the fact of the trophy room, as you want to call it in Obi-Wan, where, um, I think Obi-Wan was, yeah, Obi-Wan was walking through, and you see all these people that were, um, uh, they look like they were frozen in time and whatnot, and you do see some, some, pretty much all of them, but some of the eyes and whatnot, and so I think they were trying to say, like, his wife was one of them in there not too sure um but yeah but that was his his storyline and then he just 
you know, kept on fighting the fight. So, yeah, I'm happy that he's in Star Wars. It's very interesting. He has a very interesting, um, eclectic resume. Because his movies and TV shows are very different. Very different. And I think that's what I enjoy about him. I know some people may not enjoy his acting. But I can see the potential because he is diving into different things to see what works for him. And you can't hate someone for doing that. You know, sometimes you got to go through different things, find the one that really sticks, and then there you go. Because I think the same can go for, like, someone like Channing Tatum. Even though he's a dancer, nobody didn't like his acting. Please sit there and tell me that y'all really did like his acting and step up. I, I destroy you. He was terrible. But then all of a sudden... 21 Jump Street comes along, and then he is so good. Like, he's funny. I was like, oh, so you found your niche. And it worked. It worked. And then for some reason, anywhere after that, because even in Foxcatcher, he was so good. So good, but it wasn't comedy. But for some reason, he stepped up and rose to the occasion. I feel like it's the same thing with O'Shea Jackson Jr., when If you give him something, he's finding his niche. And then when he finds it, he's going to hold on to it. But not only that, give him enough time. But I do have to say, even though he was good in um, Obi-Wan, I really <laughs> enjoyed Den of Thieves. Just a side note, I really did. I didn't think that we was really going to enjoy that movie, but I thought he was really good. Um. I don't know if they're trying to do a second one, but I was pleasantly surprised, you know. Um, but yeah, so I'm hoping this will open up more, um, more to his acting, more for him to go from different shows, maybe, and uh, see where it leads him, you know, because there is some very good potential with his character and him as an actor. So I hope that I hope that happens for him. Um, so the next one that we have, and these two play the same character. Okay. So the first one that we have is Amar Best. And the second one that we have is um Phil Lamar. Now these two gentlemen, they both played Jar Jar Banks. Um, Amar Best played, he played Jar Jar Banks in the prequel. And Phil Lamar just voiced, he voiced the actor, or voiced the character, I'm sorry, in um, one of the uh, series, the um, animated series. So I figured to give them their shine, because not many people know that. And what do you, you know? Jar Jar is very eclectic, too. It's a very eclectic character. I wasn't a fan, still isn't, um, but I do know that George Lucas created him. I would have to say he's definitely there for the kids. He wasn't there for me. I wasn't a kid when I was watching this. Um, I was a kid, but I wasn't a kid kid. I think I was in high school when, that, when uh, the prequels came out. And, um, yeah, it was really cool to see, like, a character that, you know, kids would enjoy, um, that will grasp them into the Star Wars, especially with the prequel trilogy, and how the prequel trilogy is foreseen by a lot of people, because a lot of fans don't like the prequel trilogy. Now, I do have to say, when I have went ahead and rewatched it again, the prequel, I want to say it was starting to grow on me only because 
reading the books and watching the Clone Wars and Rebels and whatnot, and then just going back into into it. Like now, I feel like because we have so much more material to go through, now is a collective package. And now you can actually appreciate the prequels a little bit more. Even though George Lucas directed it, I really don't think that he should have directed it. Yeah, I said it. Yep. Mm-mm. It wasn't for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, should have found somebody else. He had so many other people. I don't know. And so many other directors out there. But I guess in the, when you watch uh, Light and Magic and you hear how he did not like episode four. And I did hear that years ago. And then I heard that he really wanted to direct the prequels. And I was like, oh boy. Because <laughs> whatever he has in his head, it definitely doesn't translate on screen. I, I just, yeah. I think for us, just appreciate George Lucas. But I think. In this case, it's more of George Lucas is definitely 50 steps ahead of his time. So the stuff that he was trying to get out in his system and put it on screen is stuff that's going on now. He's just smart. He's just super, super, super smart. I don't know, like, what else to say. Like, he is legit smart. Um, But nevertheless, you know, hey, happy that he went ahead and um, created Jar Jar Banks again um, because it created, it created a job for these Black men. And also it gathered a whole new set of audience in that generation for the young kids and you know that's that's exactly what it is and ain't nothing else to it so you know <laughs> i could not believe that i i did not have this person in here for the life of me and i'm like why i didn't have him in here my like, dude what But yeah, so the last one, and we definitely need to give him his flowers. Come on, Samuel Jackson. Yay! Mace Windu. Absolutely. The man deserves all his flowers. Let me say this. The fact that he was able to get a purple lightsaber and now they're using it in... In the Star Wars, because it's so canon right now, and you have to, you have to appreciate Samuel Jackson because he's like, no, I want something different. Well, give me a purple lightsaber, okay? And then now it's become this thing, and it's definitely in the High Republic era too. Not only is it in the High Republic era, this is how good he is because. Because of what he was saying, you know, he just said it like, nah, I just want, can I get a different color? And he was saying that because, you know, he's black and everybody else is white. Why not give me something different? I don't need no no blue, no, you know, yellow and all of that, the green. Mm-mm. I'm happy that George Lucas went ahead and did that for him. In the High Republic. Spoiler. We'll just, I'll say it. Spoiler. My favorite character, which is Vernestra Rowe, her lightsaber is purple. But the added feature, which I'm pretty sure they are, they have to talk about that. The added feature is that it turns into a whip. It's an actual whip. 
she doesn't know how it even comes about. She just knows that she uses it from time to time. But it's a whip. I do believe it's probably more associated with her emotions. You know, Aura because clearly is a Kyber crystal. But um, it's just amazing because if it wasn't for Samuel Jackson with his purple lightsaber, we wouldn't get this, you know. And Vanessa Rowe is a species. She's not black. She's just a, a species. So it's just, it's amazing. <laughs> he went ahead and broke a barrier, didn't even realize he was breaking a barrier. He was just trying to be himself. And that's cool. But yeah, it ended up turning into something that's a lot more bigger. Now, also, too, him as a character in Mace Windu, I think a lot of people didn't really particularly care for Mace Windu in the beginning. But again, when you have books, it helps to bring these contexts together. Which one was it that I was reading? Okay, I think it was Brotherhood that I read. And there was this particular scene, (laughs) dialogue. I think it was Brotherhood. Yeah. Yeah, it was Brotherhood and Mike Chen's book. It's the best part in the book because he made it so very clear that Mace Windu cannot stand Anakin at all. The dialogue in there, it was something like as if it was really Samuel Jackson really doing this to him. But he was just, like, cutting off Anakin because there's a dialogue where he's, Anakin is saying something and Mace is just like, yeah, okay. But why are we listening to you? (laughs) Like, you're just a Padawan. Why are we listening to you? And Obi-Wan was like, no, you know, everybody deserves a chance to to speak speak their mind so we can hear. You might hear something that, that we can utilize. And somewhere in there, Mace is just like, and this is the guy, like this is the kid with the prophecy. He's the one that's supposed to bring some balance. He already felt like there was something wrong with him. When you have that vibe, your whole demeanor and everything changed. That's the whole purpose of that dialogue is that Mace Windu knew Something was wrong and something was off with this kid. And in a bad way. And his whole demeanor and everything just shifts negatively towards him. But it's so good. It's so, so good. Oh, my God. I can't recommend that book enough, though. I do have my preservations about that book. But just that the book is good. That dialogue was amazing <laughs> out of all of it. But Mace, and then you clearly, aka what happened at the end, spoiler, you know, Anakin went ahead and killed Windu or allegedly killed. Everybody be like, well, you didn't find a body. Did we ever see his lightsaber though? I don't even know. I think that would have been something. Like, did we? Because I know they had a um, room where they keep all the Jedi's lightsaber after they kill them. Did we ever see Mace's, Mace Windu's lightsaber? I know we've seen Yoda, but I don't know if you've seen that one. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so we definitely have to give Samuel Jackson his flowers. <laughs> um, and just appreciate what is there. Like, he. He's a fan of Star Wars. No matter what you say, how he went through the whole process with the prequels and everything, um, he still did a good job for what, what the job was there to do. You know, it was, to me at that time, like the prequels was just so cheesy, you know? <sighs> and then I, I just find it very odd because George Lucas is so ahead of his time that I felt like it should have been a little bit more crisp 
and the production should have just been a little bit more better. But, you know, I guess that's what whatever was in his head. I don't think it clearly translated well on screen. But other than that, the the actors, they did what they were supposed to do. Can't fault them for it. But yeah, Samuel Jackson gets his flowers. He was amazing. And I know he wants to come back. <laughs> I think a lot of people want him to come back. But um, yeah, I don't know. Could he? Yeah, I guess he can. Because again, there was no body. So yeah, why not? You know, more black people are better, right? <laughs> more diversity, the better. But yeah, so that was it. That's the only ones that I can find um, on and off screen. Um, And voicing. I did find this to be really fun. This was really cool just to go down memory lane (laughs) a little bit um, with all these um, actors and, um, you know, the movies and everything. Now I feel like I have to rewatch the original Again, I think there was some parts I am really missing. Um, but yeah, I will probably have to rewatch it. I actually kind of remember more of the prequel trilogy, and I try very hard to not remember much of the sequel trilogy because it was, uh, I don't know, just didn't do it for me. Now, the reason why the sequel wasn't really my thing is that The Force Awakens was too nostalgic for me, for my taste. I wanted it to be Star Wars. If this is a war going down, it needed to be a war going down. And the only thing they cared about was making it so goddamn nostalgic. I was getting annoyed by it. I get it. Yes, we haven't seen them in so long. All right, but let's get to it. There's a war. When you start doing things that's too nostalgic, you know the issue that comes with it is that you forget that you have new characters with some better stories. That's what you forget, which is the reason why The Last Jedi isn't so well-received. And then, oh my God, The Rise of Skywalker Child. I I would never watch that movie. I would never watch that movie. That movie is so terrible. I I just, I can't. Mm -mm. Nope. I will will watch The Last Jedi, The Rise of Sky. Like, you, mm mm-mm. Now, if it's for homework or whatever, yeah, I will watch it. Oh, God. I will watch it. (sighs) I just, I can't stand it. I can't. Especially... The scene between Ray and Kylo Ren. Moment of silence of how disturbed I was. And seriously, not only was I disturbed, but my husband was. And he don't watch these movies. But he, I think he... Didn't we watch The Force Awakens? No, we watched. Yeah, no, we did. We watched The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi together. We actually did. Um, The Rise of Skywalker was the only one that we didn't go to the movies to see, but we did see the first two. And I I just remember him coming home. (laughs) And when he came home, he walked through the door, put his shoes, take his shoes off. And that scene happened. Right there. And we both was like, oh, okay. Did we see this happen? Like, did we see this to come? It was so cringy. What the hell? Honey, can we just pretend like it didn't happen? I don't think you can salvage that with the book, though. You know what they do is they use the book. As their way to salvage the movies, if you if you get it, like 
So when the prequels happen, they needed something to salvage the prequels. So what did they do? They went ahead and created Clone Wars. And then eventually um, Ahsoka happened. And then they was able to, you know, fave her out, you know, and everybody started loving her. Then the, the comic books started coming out. Then the books started coming out. So things were put into place. So that's how the prequels ended up becoming a little bit more beloved. Then the sequel happened. Now they're using books to salvage the sequel trilogy. So that's why you have Shadow of the Sith, because everybody, including myself, did not like how Ray's storyline, you know, went. Especially with the parents, you know, the parents' lineage. I know I'm not the only one who felt like, why y'all just couldn't use her as, oh, this is a whole new Jedi. She has her own whole new legacy. Just leave it at that. Why is this girl connected? Why is she connected? Why is she the granddaughter of a groomer? Why? Uh, what? Make it make sense, honey. Make it make sense. I don't know. So, yeah. Other than that, we can scrap that one. Um, but anyway, this was definitely a good episode. Like I said, it was great just to go down memory lane on a lot of these movies and actors and everything. Um, sorry for the slow delay you know, of the of the Wi-Fi, as well as me just moving a little slow with the names and everything. But I hope, uh, I hope this was informative. I hope it was a little entertaining. <laughs> and um, I hope you learned something from it, you know. So next week, we'll do the women, black women. I doubt there's that many, but we'll do what we can. And because I wanted to do a separate, the gender separation of it all, because everybody deserves their shine, um, especially as women don't need to be standing next to the men and all of that. Um, you know, they deserve their own platform. So, yeah. So next week I'll be doing black women. And yeah. So, oh, I am I am reading a lot of comic books. I will definitely do the review. I actually have to get um, the, I have to get the High Republic issue. And I think I have to get the new Darth Vader issue. Uh, I think it's 29. I think we're on 29. I know I read 26, 27. Um, yeah. And this one is about the Padme's handmaiden. Along with Vader. It's good. I just want to say that. Let me not shit on it. Um, It's good. I have my reservations about it. Other than that. It's good. I just want to see where this story is going to go though. I just find it very hard that this is really happening with Darth Vader, but okay. Um, and I'm trying to see if I could get the Dr. Afra one, because I really want to do a, a review of that. And I am definitely reading. I'm in the middle of Convergence. I am reading. Um, what to say about that? It's good. Very different for adult novel, I have to say. I definitely can't wait to do a review because I'm definitely going to go in depth because I, I feel I feel this is a little different than it should be if it's an adult novel but let me just read the whole thing and see it, just find it very hard and it's like that but um yeah so I'm 
in the middle of that. And I should, oh, and I do believe there is another High Republic book coming out on the 6th or the 9th or something like that. So I have to get that. But yeah, we're, we're moving. We're moving. I'm, I'm doing, doing the best I can. I will definitely get these reviews out. Um, most of my comic reviews will definitely be on the website of kitasblackalliance.wordpress.com. So you can follow it on there as well as the book reviews that I do do. But yeah, so that's it for this episode. Thank you. Enjoy the week. <laughs> I will see you next time. This is the way. Peace.